The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see you guys. Um, I was out last week, got to spend some time with my baby girl. She came up this week, and we went down last week, so we were at a football game. So I want to say thank you to Trinity and the whole team for uh, Heather and I having that week off. It was awesome, and uh, it was an experience, and I'm so grateful to be back. Um, I am chasing allergies and stuff, and so uh, I've got all kinds of stuff on me and about my body. I've got mints. I've got tea. I've got oils. I've got Robitussin. I've got everything. And I had codeine this morning before I came to church. So this is going to be fun, right? (laughs) Wow. There's like 8,000 people out there right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've come down from the codeine. I'll wait for the Robitussin to get me back up. But I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome to the madness. Um, And uh, just like uh, our elder Ron said, uh, we'd love for you to fill out one of those connect cards and uh, drop that in the giving station on your way out and we can get some information to you about who we are. And uh, yeah, we're really probably this crazy all the time, uh, medicated or not. Um, some of us need medication, some of us need to get off of it, right? Um, anyway, uh, today is Orphan Sunday and I wanted to highlight that video um, because we have a group in our church, lot, least of these, and they're a foster and adoption care support group. And so we've, what's been surprising to me is how many people in our church community uh, have a heart for adoption and foster care and caring for, for um, those that need our help. And so uh, we've had people show up to the church going, I'm in this adoption process and I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is normal or not. Well, let me, let me invite you to this. Write down this, this, you can either go to our website or you can write down this email. It's info at thecreekfw.com. If you need information about foster, adoption, anything, if that's on your heart or God's planting that seed, then I want you to email us and we'll get you connected with that group because there are orphans all over the world that need us. And here's what I believe about the church. We have a responsibility. We have an obligation because remember, Jesus said um, that we are to take care of those who are less fortunate. Um, God, or James wrote in James 1 that God says, the only pure religion is this, is the one that takes care of the widows and the orphans and does not get defiled by the world. And so when we talk about religion, that's the only religion I like because that's the only religion God likes. The one that's going to care for people and get the gospel to them. And so we've got an obligation, a responsibility is the church. And here's what I believe, that if, if, if churches would get together in this mission, I think we could eradicate the issue of orphans sitting there uh, needing a forever home. I really do. I think if the church really got serious about it, we could probably take care of a lot of the issues that exist on the planet when, when, if we got together. I mean, I really believe that because God has given us the resource and the ability to meet those needs. Um, so uh, if that's on your heart, then, then connect with us. Let us connect you with people that can help you in that process because there's crazy paperwork involved and you think, is this normal? Yes. Um, and so we have somebody that can walk with you and go, that's normal. That's normal. But, but we're with you the whole way. So uh, info at thecreekfw.com. Uh, last week, I loved all the candy posts. 
Some of y'all sent me texts and pictures and posts and everything. You guys are awesome. Um, it was great candy. And I hope you had a good time on Halloween um, getting to know your neighbors and the kids uh, getting good candy. And uh, I got some great candy. Some of y'all took me seriously uh, when I talked about Reese's peanut butter cups because my wife has cut me off on the Reese's peanut butter. There's a stack of them in my refrigerator and she's rationing them to me. I'm like, I want to eat this. Some of y'all gave me some four packs. I mean, that's like the blessing of the Lord is upon you um, type Reese's cups. And she's like, no, you can have one. I was like, come on, mom. I mean, I got married so I could eat my own candy, right? Um, no, it doesn't happen that way. Um, but thank you for that. Uh, this, this, today we're talking about a topic called Supplying the Saints. We're in Romans chapter 15. And uh, I want to give you an update because today is the anniversary, a three-year anniversary. We've got two anniversaries happening back to back. Today is our three-year anniversary for our campaign we launched in 2012 called Foundations. And next week is our anniversary for the first year in our new facility. And next week, I've got a special surprise for you. Um, we're finishing Romans, and I've got a surprise guest coming uh, to talk to us in, in Romans 16. It's the Apostle Paul. I'm just kidding. Um, that would be like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know, phone booth back to get Apostle Paul. How awkward would that be? Um, no, I've got a special guest. You don't want to miss it. And then if that's not enough, um, Steel City Pops is coming to give us some popsicles. Um, so if you've had Steel City Pops, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, be prepared for your mind to be, it's, they're incredible popsicles. I mean, it's like Jesus, oh, popsicles, okay? I'm just saying, getting it in there. Um, but they're going to be here. And uh, if you really want to be cruel, um, we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss a few minutes early and we can beat our kids to the popsicles. <laughs> Some of y'all are actually thinking about that. Like, could you imagine the kids seeing you with the popsicles? Like, where'd you get that? I got it in big church. <laughs> Next week, it's going to be packed in here with kids. Like, forget the dum-dums. I'm going for the popsicles, man. Um, so anyway, it's just a way that we can celebrate and say thank you. But I want to talk about foundations for, for just a minute to give you an update as we're kind of wrapping that up. It was a three-year campaign. Three years ago, I stood in front of our church. We were in a daycare. Worship center's about the size of this platform. We squeezed like 100 people on this platform. It was important to wear good deodorant to church in those days. Um, and I stood before him in November 2012, and I said, uh, God is calling us to, to go out and find our forever home, our permanent home, and uh, it's going to take a lot of process. It's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take us being obedient. And, and we challenged people on a spiritual journey of what they could give above their normal giving, sacrificial giving. And uh, several families pledged an amount, and they said, over three years, we believe that this is what God's laying on our heart that we can contribute towards this campaign. And so that amount that was pledged three years ago was $380,356, which at the time our church was um, almost, is two and a half years old. We were running about 200 people, and uh, it was just, it, I mean, I remember that Sunday going, oh my gosh, you're just incredible. What have you done, God? You just, I mean, it's just I mean, my mind was blown. It's just like I had a popsicle. Um, but what's happened is three years, I mean, this is what we've collected today. What has come in on the foundations campaign is $552,000, over half a million dollars in three years from our little church um, of people saying, 
I want to get on board with that. And what's been beautiful is that, that the, there's a core that started three years ago. And as we've talked about it, and as we got closer to moving into this facility last year, people are like, I want in on that. I want to get some of that. And so people, new people started giving and it was just, it just kind of started dominoing. It was incredible. And, and let me tell you what that allowed us to do. Um, that allowed us to move into here with a manageable mortgage. We still have a mortgage. People ask me, does the church carry debt on it? Yes, we didn't. Uh, we, we built this. We finished the inside. It was $1.7 million. We financed $1.2 million. And we have a manageable mortgage. We also held, had enough to hold some cash in reserve for year one, because we knew moving into the new facility, we would see growth and we needed to kind of offset expenses and income. And so we held some cash reserves. In the last year, our church has grown by 45%. So when I talk about daycare days, almost, yeah, you can clap for that. I mean, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) That's not Matt handing out popsicles. I think that's the power of God at work in our community. And, and so we've been able to, to get into this facility. And when I stood up three years ago, here's what I thought. And those of you who were there, you know, you, you heard this. God is calling us to move into a rental facility where we could increase capacity and we're going to buy some land in the spring of 2013 and best case scenario, summer 2015, we'll get to break ground. That's what, that's what really we were tracking with. Well, in the spring of 13, God brought a connection with Heartsong. Heartsong has their service here at 1230. And Heartsong gave us seven acres and then the, the shell of this building. And we were able to use those campaign funds to finish it out, to do the construction. And honestly, I mean, we were hoping to break ground this summer. We're celebrating one year in a new facility next week. So I, I'm pretty blown away at the faithfulness and the incredible nature of God. He's just, he is just incredible. But we've not just grown numerically. And we, this wasn't a financial journey. I told our church that when we started this, this is a spiritual journey. I don't care how much money we raise. If we're not more in love with Jesus at the end of this process, it's a failure. And I can tell you that I'm more in love with Jesus because of what I've seen him do in my life and through my life. And I know that, uh, that so many more people are in love with Jesus because of the salvations we have seen since this process began. Salvations, marriages. I mean, just it's been incredible seeing what God has done. So we have grown spiritually. We've grown numerically. I mean, just look around. And we, I believe we've grown emotionally. I believe God has grown us up so we can better understand the mission that he's given us to reach Fort Worth, to reach Texas, to reach the United States, and ultimately reach the world. And I believe that's been an incredible process. There is one thing that I want to say, that we started as a team, and that team has gotten much bigger, and I would like to finish this foundations process as a team. And so I want you to pray about a year-end offering. I would like to kind of make that finish line the end of this year. And I would like for us to pray about what we could do as an offering for the end of the year. And if you want to be a part of that, that's awesome. If not, that's awesome. Because I believe God is sovereign and it's just an incredible thing for us to be a part of. And so that's foundations. And uh, here we go. Romans chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. And uh, we would love for you to have that. Uh, 
Last week, Trinity uh, did a great job. And uh, if you, you'll see a theme kind of developing over the last several weeks, today kind of switches that theme a little bit. And I love teaching verse by verse. Because as I told you before, it holds me accountable to the context of Scripture. And so today, we're talking about giving. So if you're like, oh, great, another church giving message, then, then you know what? We'll see you next week for your popsicle. Um, but this is where I'm accountable of teaching the gospel and teaching the entire counsel of God. And I know this, based on the last several weeks when we talked about Christians not seeing eye to eye on some things, there's a lot of debate, uh, no, never mind, not a lot of debate, there's a lot of argument around giving, and it becomes a very controversial subject in church. If you've grown up in church, then you've got giving baggage. I'm just going to lay it out there. You've got giving baggage. We should have put a giant barrel at the front of the church this morning and said, spiritual baggage for you to drop whatever spiritual baggage you got. And don't pick it up on the way out. We'll take it to the dumpster for you. But if you've been around church any amount of time, you've got baggage around the subject of giving. Because you have heard that uh, give and it will be given to you. So if you give God a hundred bucks, he's going to give you a thousand back. That's the way the blessing works. I'm going to tell you that ain't true. (laughs) See, there's that baggage. I could really use that hundred back right now. (laughs) Okay, so Paul's going to get into this and he's talking about an offering collecting collected for the church in Jerusalem. And we're going to look into some of the detail of this offering. We're going to read about it from Paul's perspective as he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. And and we're going to look in 2 Corinthians 9. So if you want to kind of tag your Bible there too, because we're going to look at that briefly, because there's an expansion of that offering discussed in 1 Corinthians 16, as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And so we're going we're gonna to get into this. I'm going to let the Bible be the Bible, okay? I'm not going to give you my opinion based on giving. Let's look at what the Bible says because I'm going to tell you something. This, this is going to rub some of us the wrong way. This is going to step on some toes. So I'm going to let the Bible be the Bible. And, and here's what I want to have happen. If you've got church baggage, I just want you to take a breath. I don't want your money this morning. What I want is for God to transform your heart. What I want is God to transform and renew your mind. And I want you to realize that God loves you and God gave everything for you and God gave his son who placed himself on a cross of Calvary and paid the ultimate sacrificial price for our sin. He was laid in a borrowed tomb and on Easter morning, he walked victoriously from the tomb. Let your heart be transformed by that. If you've got baggage associated with giving, let the grace of God and the power of the gospel begin to take away that baggage from your heart and begin to see things from a new perspective, okay? So let's, let's get into this. Uh, chapter 15, uh, start verse 22. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. Well, he's continuing the previous section because... Now, last week you heard Trinity talk about um, Paul's plans that he wants to go to the places that have not heard about Jesus, that have not heard about the gospel. And he says, that's where I'm called to go. 
And he says, this is the reason, because I'm called to go to those places that I haven't been able to come and see you yet. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. So what he's saying is, I haven't been able to come and see you, but I've, I've planted churches in these regions, and now I'm going to go to Spain. And on my way to Spain, I'm going to go through Jerusalem first, but I'm going to come see you. I want to spend some time with you. I want to be encouraged by you. I want to encourage you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to head out. I'm going to go to Spain. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. He's given this idea of an obligation here. When therefore I've completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that God's, by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So what Paul's saying here is he's just, he, he's gone from the application of, of the righteous life, and now he's saying, this is what's going on in my life. I, I want to come and see you, and that time is opening, and I'm going to stop in Jerusalem because I'm going to deliver what Macedonia, the churches in Macedonia and Achaia have collected for the church in Jerusalem. And it's funny that he says, and indeed they owe it to them. It's kind of like a, like a debt, and he starts to connect some dots here. But what Paul's saying is that, that the saints, and who are the saints? The saints are you and I. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. And so he's saying the saints, those who are in Christ, have a spiritual obligation in our giving. Now, I'm, I'm looking at what Paul says here, and it's interesting because there's a whole lot to explain in, this, in, this, in that statement. That in, in Matthew 23, 23, uh, we, we have people that get hung up on, the, on this tithe, okay? Like, well, the tithe's Old Testament. What is a tithe? It's 10%. It was the first fruits, the first 10% of what we brought in. And people get hung up so legalistically on that, and that creates incredible baggage. And they go, well, the, the tithe is Old Testament, and the New Testament's not. Well, Jesus affirms the tithe, but look at what he says are more weighty than the tithe. When he's having a conversation with the, the Pharisees, and he, his pet name for them was hypocrites. Sometimes it was brood of vipers, sons of hell. You know, I mean, he, he had a great relationship with the Pharisees. But he tells them, he says, you tithe off of your mint and your dill and your cumin, but you neglect the weight of your things. You're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. He goes, you ought to have done those without neglecting the others. So what he's saying is like, you're good to tithe, the way you're doing it is kind of jacked up legalistic, though. They would sit there and count their, like, think about a, a mint leaf. And here's how they would do it. They would go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a tenth leaf. That's God's leaf. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's the, and he's like, look, you, you are holding that to the, I'm like, you're getting psycho with that. But you're missing justice. You're missing mercy. And you're missing faithfulness. What are those things that fall under? It's grace. He's like, you're missing grace. You've got the legal side of giving down. But you're missing the grace in all of this. Because when you look at Old Testament, it was under the law. And what we've seen in the book of Romans is Paul says, you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. So what does grace look like in our giving? When Jesus is having this conversation with the Pharisees, how does grace transform how we view this obligation? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's talking about this offering, and this is the same offering that he's collecting, and he gives some detail. He's like, look, they were giving out of their, they weren't giving out of their abundance. They were giving because they wanted to give. They were giving sacrificially. They're like, look, it's not about what we can afford. It's what we want to do. There's a difference in first fruits and abundance. And let me explain that. Abundance would be like, let's say we're, we're, we're farmers. And our ability to eat is based on what we can pull out of the ground, right? So when we give out of our abundance, then we're having to make an assumption that there's a harvest, right? So we're like, if there's a harvest, and then I go through and I see what is there for everything that I need to do, then what's left over, God, I'm going to give you some of that. I'm going to give out of the abundance. The, The problem is, is when there's no abundance, we give nothing to God. You know, there was a farmer that had a cow, and this cow was pregnant. And he came in so excited, he told his wife, he's like, the cow gave birth to twins. And this farmer was looking forward to to that cow having a calf because this was a calf that he could sell at the market and make a profit. And his wife said, so what are you going to do with two calves? He goes, one of them I'm going to sell for our profit and the other one I'm going to sell and I'm going to give all that money to the church. And his wife's like, I think that's great. I think that's great. Well, a few weeks go by, the farmer comes in and he's just real sad. And she's like, what's wrong, honey? He goes, God's calf died. (laughs) Isn't it funny how it's always God's calf that dies? You know, that's our heart when we're giving out of abundance. But what, what we've got to understand is we're called to give first fruits. It says, God, I'm trusting you with everything. The seed that went in the ground came from you. The weather that comes to give us a harvest comes from you. The health that you've given for me to work this ground comes from you. Let's let's bring it up into our society current day. We trade dollars for days. I'm going to give you 40 hours. You're going to give me this amount of money. And so it's, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this aside. I'm not going to look at what's left over in my budget for you. I'm going to set the first fruits for you because I couldn't do this without you. I wouldn't get this job without you. I don't have the health to do this job without you. I don't have the abilities without you. And so Paul's talking about this idea of giving. And he says, these churches, they were like, they were glad to give. They wanted to give. And he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. If, if you've got your Bible, underline verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Oh my gosh, I hope baggage of all the past has just folded off of you. Because for me to teach you the truth of the gospel and the truth of scripture isn't to beat money out of you. It's to make Jesus clear so that your heart's changed so that in your heart, you decide what to give. Not from me drawing it out of you, but because there's joy in your heart to lay a sacrifice before God. And then what is he going? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, that means God's got it all. And at all times, you may abound in what? Every good work. You see, work is an obligation. Paul's saying there's an obligation here that the church in Rome and that these churches that Jerusalem has planted, there's an obligation because they gave and they are in need. And so let's give to them. Spiritually, they blessed us. They gave so that we could plant a church. Let's bless them back now because there's a need. There's an obligation that starts to happen. And, and, and when we start thinking about this obligation as tasks and get under the rule of law, we're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get oppressed. We're going to get just pounded. We're going to fall under condemnation. And so when I talk about giving, what happens is in your heart, you're like, here we go again. Get out from under that condemnation. Let grace transform your heart. Let grace renew your mind so that it leads us to give joyfully and sacrificially. I told you this story. In the church I grew up in, there was a woman that wrote a check, her tithe check, and in the memo section, it said, under protest. Let me tell you something. I wasn't her pastor, but I'd be giving that check right back to her. Look, I don't care how many zeros and commas you can put on that. If you're doing that under protest, you're not doing that joyfully. You're doing that because you feel some kind of obligation and get God off your back. I don't want that. I need, here's what I need. I need to be a good steward over what God brings in and what God brings in is gonna be given out of the joy of people's hearts so that we can get involved in the work that God has called us to do in our community, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world. And so my, my, my challenge to you is, is some people get so far under the condemnation, like, well, I can't do 10%, so I'm going to do anything. Can I just encourage you to start somewhere? Because God will start to change your heart. You see, uh, God's not going to tell you not to give anything. I've tried that. God, what do you want me to do here? Oh, nothing, okay. I'm just saying. Now, there are times that when I say, God, do you want me to engage in this? And God says, no. But when it comes to giving and opening my heart to God, he's always going to say yes. And he's always going to say more than I was thinking. I'm like, but God. See, when we give sacrificially, then we give enough that it makes our lifestyle hurt. Because God's not concerned about our comfort, but our character. So this obligation, see, Jerusalem blessed other churches so that they could bear gospel fruit, and then other churches do the same. Our foundations campaign, take that for example. There are people who made a commitment that said, here's what the number God has laid on my heart in this spiritual journey, and they, they gave towards this facility, but they never stepped foot in this facility. I mean, we've got people that have given significant amounts of money that laid a foundation for you to be here today that aren't enjoying this fruit. We've got a heavy military presence in our church. They've been transferred. 
They're all over the world. They're all over the country. You know, we've got people that, that, that made a commitment in the foundations campaign and says, you know what, I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm, I'm given so God can change lives in Fort Worth. And, and they've said, God's called us on to another church, but we're still here. And let me encourage you, let's build on that foundation. God's got work for us to do in Fort Worth. And so we have this obligation. The next thing is, Paul says, giving reflects a personal love for God and for people. There's an interesting thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, 21, when he talks about giving, when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, there's an interesting thing tied with our treasure and our heart because money is a key indicator of what we love and what we pour ourselves into. Last week, I poured a lot of money into college football. Not because I love college football, but because my baby girl's going to school there and I got to spend the weekend with her. Treasure goes to where our heart is. It is hunting season. I don't need to say anything else. Heather's not in here and I know y'all would tell on me and so enough said. Heather could come up and testify where, she's like, I can tell you where Matt's heart is. Especially when it's hunting season. What we put our money into is an indicator of where our heart tends to lean. And what Jesus is saying here is is run a check on yourself. Do you really treasure the things of God? Because our act of giving reflects our heart towards God. So when I talk about the church having a responsibility and obligation to orphans and widows, see in Acts chapter 6, we see two really distinct things that the church needs to be active in, and it's ministry and charity. Are we practical in putting treasure or putting our heart in the right places. Can I tell you that you, because of your giving at the creek, are responsible for over 5,000 families in the Northwest and Eagle Mountain ISD that get food, that get job counseling, that get utility assistance? Because of your giving, your fingerprints are on 5,000 families that need help. That's through Community Link. Can I tell you that over 100 kids at Christmas over the last several years at Northbrook Elementary get hope and their parents get relief and hope because you're willing to buy Christmas presents for families that can't afford it. Where our heart is our money follows. Do you know that there are kids in, all over the world, Africa, Nepal, South America, that have heard the gospel because you put your treasure where your heart is with a ministry called Kid Stand. You're gonna hear in the next couple weeks about a new organization that we've partnered with. But you are helping people in Africa hear the gospel through a new church plant. You are making an impact in Fort Worth on Thursday nights 
We go downtown. We fight traffic at a terrible time to go to Broadway Baptist Church and we serve at Agape. And I was carrying a tray of meatloaf Thursday night and God said, you're not just delivering meatloaf, you're delivering hope. You're not just feeding a belly, you're feeding a soul. See, when we give, we recognize our obligation and that obligation actually creates an action because of our love for God and love for people. Let me read to you something. Uh, Many of you know that we had a team go to Nicaragua this summer. And in Nicaragua, this team helped build a church and they had their first church service ever in this village. The team met with or, or got to know a woman and after getting home found out this woman had cancer. And she could have gone to the state-sponsored hospital, but it would have been at least a year for her to have the hysterectomy that was needed and the removal of the cancer. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a family member, loved one, or friend fighting cancer, but you want to start that fight right away. So our missions team brought this to us, and the elders, we sat down and were like, this is a no-brainer. Let's cut a check. Let's get this woman to a private hospital. I want to read to you what she wrote us. Estimados hermanos en Cristo. I'm gonna, wait, you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> That's the medicine talking. Dear, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God bless you all. I hope that you are all in very good health, that you are, you are united with all your families, and that you are enjoying the blessings of God he gives to his children. The reason for this letter is to thank you with all my heart for the blessing you have given to my life. As some of you already know, they found cancer that was affecting my health and the only solution was for me to have a complete hysterectomy so that something worse didn't happen. I know that this happened so I would be stronger spiritually and to confirm one more time the faithfulness of God to his children. Thanks to each and every one of you for showing me your love. Even though you do not know me, you all have been the instrument that God used to show his power and love to me. Thank you for helping me with the surgery, especially to Sister Karen Gann and the missions team at the creek. Today I can say that I am cancer free. Thanks to God and also to all of you because now I can continue serving Christ. Que Dios... Los bendiga. God bless you all. You see, when we give, when we recognize our obligation and we connect that with our love for God and people, it moves us to action. The church can't sit idly by watching people hurting and watching people go to hell. The church has a responsibility to get out and to bring the gospel to the people who need life who need hope, who need grace, who need reconciliation, who need forgiveness, who need healing, who need care. And the church has a responsibility in this. And when we do this, what Paul's talking about is that giving, our giving unites us. It unites the saints. It brings the churches together. You see, we've got a sister in Nicaragua. You've got a sister in Nicaragua. 
And you just got a letter from your sister in Nicaragua who by the grace of God and the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation, brings her into our family, brings her into us as one body to operate in unity and harmony. You have brothers and sisters in Africa that because of what you've done in giving and praying that they have received Christ, their life has been transformed and you may not meet them on this planet, but you will meet them in heaven. They will walk up and say, I'm here because you engaged in a gospel mission. You've got people in Nicaragua that were baptized this summer that when you meet them are gonna say, I'm here in heaven because you engaged in the gospel mission. You see, everything about Paul was about the gospel. I can't come and visit you right now because the gospel has me busy working in places that people haven't heard about Jesus. I can't come and be there with you because that's the primary motive. That's where my heart is and that's where this treasure goes. And when we bring this back into the reality of the creek, that when you give, it's not just so we can have nice things. It's so we can get the gospel to our community, to our state, to our nation, and to our world. That's the reason we're sitting in this facility. That's the reason we did a campaign. Not so we can have a nice new place for us to go. Look what we did. But for us to say, God, we've got more capacity, you bring more lives. God, we've got more focus on pursuing and following you, so show us the neighbors we need to talk to. Show me the coworkers that I need to reach out to with the gospel. Show me the people in my community that are hungry, that are hurting, that are broken, and I will go and I will engage because everything about what we do is about the gospel. While we give the gospel... You see, we go back to the farmer mentality. See, we bring that first fruits into the storehouse. Why? So people can eat. I mean, we just don't let food go to waste and go, okay, that's God's and he's just gonna waste it. God never wastes anything. So in our context, okay, so a lot of our giving is tied around money. What happens with that? It comes in and yes, we use money. It pays for ministry. It does pay for this facility, but it pays for charity, ministry and charity. We give to organizations all over the world. We give to organizations that impact change right here. And so we don't collect money just so, hey, we got a nice church. Look, we got, we got fancy stuff. I think if that's the case, it's a failure. we're not seeing lives changed as a result of our obedience, it's a failure. And here's, here's just what I know. Um, it's about heart change. I was at a conference and heard a youth pastor. I was in youth ministry and I went to youth ministry conference. And this youth pastor got up to tell, he, he told a story. And one thing that clicked, I, I don't know that I could tell you anything else he talked about, but this story, because it impacted me so much. But he got up and he was in a rough area of Florida and uh, he said, uh, one, one Wednesday night, um, I could tell some of the people in the church were upset with the youth ministry. And I knew uh, Thursday I was going to be called into the pastor's office and there were elders in there and there were some, the, there was, there, there was some uh, other people in the church. And uh, he said, uh, they, uh, they were upset with me because there was a teenager on Wednesday night that was wearing an offensive t-shirt and I didn't ask him to change his t-shirt. And he said, I proceeded to tell them that I I would much rather God change that teenager's heart. He said, because when God changes the heart, 
the kid will change the t-shirt. And he said, I wish I could tell you revival broke out in that church with all the elders. He said, but I got fired. But here's what it, here's what it did for me. See, Christianity is not behavioral modification. If you've grown up in church or you've been around, you've been around enough church to think that pastors want your money, um, that's behavior modification. Here's what I know. None of us, myself included, because I've been down this road, none of us will engage in the spiritual disciplines that God has put before us for our benefit and our blessing until our hearts changed. I can tell you that uh, I was out of church for a while and my language was an issue and that changed when God changed my heart. I struggled with giving and that didn't change until God changed my heart. So my prayer for you is a heart change. It doesn't matter what I say. I want God to get a hold of your heart. Because the reality is it doesn't take us long in reading scripture to know we have a responsibility to get the gospel out, to supply the saints and reach the lost. And that doesn't become a financial mission. It's a heart mission for God to have our hearts and to get the hearts of others. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you are the example of giving, that you gave it all on a cross, and that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And Jesus, you walked victoriously from the tomb on Easter Sunday so that we could have life, so that we could have a relationship with you so that our lives count for the glory of God. And I ask you this morning, God, that that whatever baggage we walked in with, would you heal that? God, would you change hearts? Would you give us the clarity and honesty to before you say, God, I need healing in this area. God, here's my heart. Change it. Renew it. Transform it. God, here's my mind. Change it. Renew it. Transform it. God, if there's anyone here that has never received the salvation that came from your sacrifice and your you're laying it all down. God, I pray that you give them the courage to say, God, here's my heart for the first time. Make me new. Give me new life. All the spiritual baggage and all the religious baggage has created a false view of you, God. Let me see and experience you in a new, in a real way. God, help us to be a people whose heart is broken for what your heart is broken for and who's a people who treasure the things that you treasure. God, help us to be a people marked by grace, love, 
faith, and generosity. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.